Welcome to another program on Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. I'm Laurie Handlers, your host, and I greet you in peace. Om Shanti Shanti Shanti. Don't forget, you can follow me on Facebook, you can follow me on Twitter, and of course, you can always write to me at laurie at tantracafe.com. In case you have any questions about any of my guests, if you have suggestions for the show, I love, love, love to hear from you. Well, did you ever wonder what would happen if you ever became disabled? Aside from all the myriad of other worries that you would have on your plate, how could you have sex? I think about that. I don't know about you, but I definitely think about that. Well, my guest today is an expert in sexuality. Her name is Shana Katz. And she's a sassy, dynamic, fun-loving, crowd-pleasing, witty, and amusing sex educator. And she's, uh, she can base her talks on from academic to corporate. And she has fun-filled classes on kink, cunnilingus, and non-monogamy, the whole spectrum of sexuality in her work. Today, I've asked Shanna to come on my show and talk about what it's like to have sex if you're disabled. And I'm sure that spans the entire gamut of disabilities, which most people, unless they are disabled, they don't even think about. So, Shanna, welcome to Tantra Cafe. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. And I want to first ask you a question. Is there a difference between being disabled and being handicapped, or is that just some nomenclature? Um, I think a lot of it is self-identity. Um, I think usually the term people use nowadays is people with disabilities, which is abbreviated PWD. Um, but I meet people across the spectrum. Some people identify it as handicapped. Some people identify as disabled or having a disability. Some people identify as differently abled. Um, I think all of that kind of falls under the same umbrella of disability. Um, and just and I usually spell it D-I-S slash ability because um, it's kind of a different look at it. Um, but, yeah, it all falls under there. And really the terminology is just what each person you're talking to chooses to use. So... This is it. I happen to know because uh, actually the owner of one of the stations that I broadcast on has MS, and he has okay. he has educated me. His name is Brad Stahl. He's a he's been in radio for like forty years. He Brad has educated me to disabilities being or people with disabilities being the largest um, minority or the the largest um, interest group that we have in the world and that it transcends all ethnicities, all cultures, all ages, all gender, everything. So when we speak about how people who are disabled have sex, how can we speak about that since it's, since it's so broad? Well, I mean, I think that we speak about sex in a broad manner in general, right? Um, you know, yeah. you have a very specific tantric show. Um, but for the most part, when you read things like Cosmos, 101 Things to Do to a Man, you know, whatever is on the um, Internet, you know, the t sex tips of the day, they are very general. So I think it's, it is easy to speak to people with disabilities about ways to redefine sex, ways to have sex, ways to communicate about sex, because it is such a large group. And 
while you can certainly get into more niche mode and speak to people with physical disabilities and those with cognitive disabilities and, and all of those things and get, you know, down into MS versus visual impairment and, you know, be very specific, you can also provide great advice and support as a whole for the entire community. So, so how would we start? I mean, oh, you know, I have, before I ask you this, I have one other question. I have a major okay. question for you. You know how people could get these, um, these, uh, these little scooters that get supplied by either medical insurance for people who can't walk or, um, maybe even Medicare or Medicaid supply those scooters so that people can be mobile. Are there any programs? For, I, I should have asked you this later, but it's like it's right there. I have to know. Do you know if there I are understand? Any, are there any programs for people that are provided by state or federal government, or or insurances or Medicaid or Medicare for people to be able to have sex in case they need some kind of a scooter type thing? Unfortunately, as far as sexuality, very few programs and even more traditional insurances cover almost anything related to it. I mean, I think the most obvious thing that is covered is Viagra for men that have erectile dysfunction um, and other similar products. But for the most part, as far as, you know, slings or those kind of things that would help people or dilation kits for those with um, vulvar pain disorder or anything like that, the majority of those objects are not, in fact, covered by any insurance, Medicare, Medicaid, anything like that. Oh, so here's a whole new cause that we could invent, which I like. We could, you know, and (laughs) a lot of of the aging population, you know, people over 60, 65 are still very sexually active, but they often fall into the grouping of people with disabilities as well as they have arthritis or other diseases that come with aging and could certainly use things in addition to their scooters. Wow, what a subject. So let's talk a little bit more about the basic, you know, like basic sexuality. So um, I'm assuming, and maybe it's wrong, but I'm assuming that in your work you've actually addressed people with disabilities and talked to them about what they could do to redefine their sexuality. And I'm really interested to hear about that because it feels really compassionate. And I have a few friends who are in these categories, like wondering what they could do. What can they do to feel themselves, to feel their bodies, to feel sexy and sexual again and actually even copulate? Right. Well, as someone um, who I'm very out about having a disability, I identify as a person with disability, sometimes as disabled, um, I understand that it's more complicated than just, well, how do I get this long object into a, you know, a, a shorter object like a whole? You know, it's not just how can I have penis in vagina intercourse? There's so much more to it because it's like, you know, today's National Coming Out Day, and we talk about coming out as LGBTQ, et cetera, but you often have to come out as disabled or as a person with a disability in any relationship, whether it's, you know, a friendship or a sexual relationship, and it might not be. We have to, we have, because I can't assume that everybody, the listening audience, knows what LGBTQ is. I do, but could you give us, could you give us? Um, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer or questioning. So kind of the whole spectrum of gay and queerness, all-inclusive there. Um, But when we talk about disability, 
you know, not all disabilities are visual. Certainly if you're in a wheelchair, you don't have to come out to your partner about having a disability. But if you have knee problems or maybe some sort of cognitive disorder, um, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, something like that, or you need a hearing aid sometimes but not all of the time or something like any of those, you have yes. to decide when you're going to talk to your partner about that because sometimes you need to come out before you have sex. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's imperative that you change the type of sex you're having, whether it's positions or how you identify sex, in order to make it more accessible to you and, and make it work and make it pleasurable, which is the whole point of having sex, right? Yes, I, I would hope so. <laughs> so, my you know, whole, the, 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 the first thing – oh, go ahead. My whole take on Tantra is that it's transformation through pleasure. So right. I would hope that people would want to have pleasure when they're having sex. Well, exactly. And and I think that the best, you know, if I have to give one piece of advice to, to anybody with a disability who's looking at being sexual is first looking at themselves because our society puts um, a lot of constructions about people with disabilities are not sexual beings. You know, we don't see a lot of people with disabilities in pornography, in drawings and books. A lot of times doctors of those people with disabilities never mention how medications might affect sex or how somebody could change positions to feel more comfortable. It's just it's not talked about. So the first thing is to recognize yourself as a sexual being and to kind of look inside yourself and really see that you are powerful and sexual and beautiful and that you will be able to find a way to express that both by yourself and with a partner if you so choose. But if you don't view yourself as sexual, then you can give someone all the advice in the world and it's, they're not going to find pleasure through sex. I know for a fact that there are people who, have, or who are affected by medications that when they, especially men, when they can no longer feel aroused and it feels like a secondary effect of medication is erectile dysfunction, they stop in a certain way feeling like men. They just stop, they, they start feeling like uh, eunuchs, I suppose. Yeah, well, you know, we in our culture put a lot of effort on manhood being, you know, penises and ability to have a erect penis and to put your erect penis into things and to do things with your erect penis. Um, and while obviously, you know, as you look at Tantra, the erect penis is not the center of everything. It, it's That's part right. of pleasure. But it's it's not everything. And so I think that we put all this pressure on men that if you can't get it up, you're not a real man. But there are so many other ways to have incredibly satisfying sexual experiences, whether or not your penis is erect. Well, this is so good. This is so good. When we come back after the break, we're right now I'm speaking with Shana Katz, and she is a sex educator. She is educate. She deals with all the subjects, or many of the subjects of human sexuality, but right now, today, we're talking about disabilities, people who want to have sex, want to redefine themselves as sexual beings, and uh, and how to do that with, with a disability. And also, I want to let you know that in the second half of my show, I'm going to be speaking with Luba Evans, who is a tantric educator, and she believes we can heal the world through tantra, so we are going to be talking about that, too. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
Have you ever wished for an end to pests in and around your home, around your office? Stop paying for dangerous chemicals that can harm your children, your pets, and your clients. Today in Arizona and Florida, an environmentally responsible pest control company named Ladybug has set up shop to provide natural and organic pest control services. Ladybug can help you stop even the most persistent, nastiest bugs with green, organic products that are friendly to people and pets. In addition, there are franchise opportunities in Arizona, Florida, and throughout the USA. To learn more about Ladybug's home-friendly and earth-smart green pest control services, visit the Ladybug website at ladybugcorp.com or call us at 561-276-7600. Ladybug guarantees you another eco-friendly, pest-free day naturally. Wondering what book you should read to jumpstart your sex life and increase your happiness? Try my book, Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy by me, Laurie Handlers. This short, easy-to-read book will make you laugh at yourself, and it may possibly make you cry as you discover my tantric secrets for happiness and how they apply to you. In the book, I begin with the tenth law, make love in the unknown, and then I work you all the way through laws one through nine to teach you how to be in the unknown, fresh, every moment of every day of your life. Sex and happiness puts the innocence and love back into sex and gives Tantra the respect it deserves. It's only $19.99 in paperback and $14.99 ebook. Go to sexandhappiness.com to order your copy of Sex and Happiness by me, Laurie Handlers, the host of Tantra Cafe. Well, we're back with Tantra Cafe. I'm Laurie Handlers, your host. And my guest today is extraordinary. Her name is Shanna Katz. And she's an expert in sexuality, in human sexuality. And we're talking about people with disabilities and how they can redefine themselves and be able to have sex in not just the straight penis-vagina way necessarily, but in all kinds of different ways that would bring pleasure and satisfaction. So, Shana, can you give some examples of some of the people that you have talked with and some of the people that you have coached or even some things you've done yourself? Because ultimately, that really makes a difference to people when they hear your story. Well, certainly. You know, I, um, I've taught mostly um, kind of on the west side of the Mississippi, and I've worked with people with all sorts of uh, different disabilities. Most recently, um, I met a wonderful woman who is recovering from a stroke. Um, and they figured out, her and her partner have really worked to figure out ways to be sexy and sexual and, and, and sensual. But the one thing, her question was, where do I put my arm during sex? Because her arm seizes up and it just, it hangs there and she's not able to move it. She's not able to put it anywhere. And for her, she answered all the other problems, but she didn't know what to do with it. So we talked about using it in a bondage sense and kind of, you know, using scarves or something to bind it to her body or maybe giving it its own pillow and being like, you know, this arm gets special treatment and, and instead of ignoring it and trying to make it go away, really making all parts of her body part of their sex play, which I think is really important because oftentimes when we talk about disability, people talk about trying to fix things um, or they wind up ignoring things. Um, you know, I've, I've had talks with people who have been um, wheelchair bound for a long time and they say that the thing that drives them the most crazy, and this is one particular person, is when people ignore the fact that they're in the wheelchair. They never, ever, ever bring it up. And then they get to the point where they're ready to have sex and they're like, 
Um, so we need to, you know, work things around. This is, I do it this way. How do you want to do it? What do you think? And, and suddenly that person is like, oh, oh yeah, you're in a wheelchair. Well, hmm, we have to figure that out. And, and it never was part of their relationship. Um, as far as my, oh, I mean, go ahead. that's amazing. I can't, um, I, that's amazing to me. I, how could somebody ignore that somebody was in a wheelchair? I mean, that's like ignoring that there is an elephant in the room. Right. Well, and I don't know if it was as much ignoring, but a lot of times people think that if they don't bring up a disability of someone else, they're being more polite. They're not, you know, because on the other hand, if every time you meet someone, they're like, oh, you're a cripple in a wheelchair. That's also not a very good feeling for yourself. So I get when people go to the other end of the spectrum and it's like the, the concept of being colorblind. When people say, oh, I don't see race. I, everybody's equal and I'm colorblind. But race is still there. It's not going to go away because you don't acknowledge it. Um, so I think people do that with disability a lot. But other people I've worked with, we've talked about things from how to look at different positions. Um, I've worked with people that are both para and quadriplegic about redefining sex and sexual pleasure and sensuous touch. And we've talked about different ways to look into that. Um, I worked with people with visual impairments, and they talk about, you know, how to them a lot of sex play is about creating imagery in their minds, about touch, you know, different sensations. I use a lot of um, sensation play when I talk to people because sensation play is sexual. It's hot and it's fun, and a lot of people get into that groove of foreplay, penis and vagina intercourse, maybe cuddle, and that's it but they miss out on all the other amazing sensations that you can feel through touch, you know, whether it's kisses or hands or, you know, feather ticklers or anything like that. So we really work on redefining what does sex mean? What does it mean to be sexual and how can we work to adapt your specific disability or disabilities to the type of sexual being that you identify as? I think it's marvelous. I can't, I mean, I just can't say enough about how impressed I am with how much thought you've given this. Have you written a book on this? I mean, I feel a little dopey asking you the question, but if you haven't, somebody needs to write a book and maybe do a documentary. So that well, I'm currently I'm, I'm working on two books uh, regarding disability. One is an anthology of people with disabilities and their, in, their beliefs on the intersection between sexuality and disability. And then I'm also doing a survey project where um, – more informal, not you know, through an IRB, but I've sent out surveys to hundreds of people and to therapists who are giving it to their clients and so on to get an idea of what sexuality and disability looks like for different people. And I'm creating a book out of that. Um, and as well, I just spoke with um, the Good Releasing Company, that's a film company the other day, about doing a film about sexuality and disability and, and people with disabilities and how they have sex. Because I think it's very important to to normalize it. You know, we still put disability in one of those, quote, other categories. But when you look at the spectrum of disability, and it can go from having migraines to being a paraplegic and everything in between and all around, lots of people we know have disabilities. And the likelihood that you will be in a relationship with someone with a disability at some point is fairly high. Yeah, I agree with you. Because, you know, as, first of all, the baby boomers, which is my category, you know, are, mm -hmm. are aging and there's more of us than of anyone else on the planet. And as we live longer, and I personally am into physical immortality, so I plan to stay. I mean, mm -hmm. as, we, as we live longer and age and, and maintain our life, uh, and the baby boomers were so sexual, we were the sexual revolution. So it's like, 
I think we're setting a trend, and certainly the generations who are coming up after us are more experimental, uh, or more out, as you talked about before, uh, and more vocal about things. I think you're right. I think uh, the the probabilities of being disabled or the probabilities of being with a disabled partner in some way, somebody who has some physical challenge is tremendous. I mean, like totally tremendous. So I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. One thing I learned from, um, I forgot who, oh, Nan Wise, who is a researcher, a sex researcher in New York City. Nan told me that uh, if you are totally paralyzed, meaning you have like no feeling or nerve endings in your skin anywhere in your body, but you might have like one small piece of skin that still feels the size of a dime or the size of a quarter, that the vagus nerve is so powerful that you can learn to translate that little section of skin into complete orgasm because it really does require the brain. I've, I've met sex therapists that I've worked with clients that have done that. Um, you know, women who have just an area of their cheek, for example, that is still, you know, reactive to sensation. And, and that's how they have sex is she has her partner stroke her cheek gently. Amazing. Amazing. What's the most uh, challenging situation you've ever dealt with or heard of, would you say? Um, I think a lot of times when somebody becomes disabled or has a disability that's put on them versus being born with it. So say somebody's in a car accident, it's really difficult because you're having to completely redefine everything. You know, if you're born with something, you're more used to as a whole adapting things and your view of sexuality may have already been more adapted to your disability throughout your life. But if you end up, you know, a paraplegic or a quadriplegic and you've been in a relationship for 10 years, doing the same thing for 10 years, it is incredibly difficult to have to work with your partner and yourself to figure out what is what feels good to yourself, what what is sexual, you know, ness to yourself, and then explain it to your partner and have them get on board as well. Uh, and I think that we definitely have to give a lot of support to partners of people with disabilities because it's definitely, you know, a relationship where you have to work with two or, you know, some cases more people to make it work. I, I believe you. I think there might be a lot of resentment, too, if you've been with a partner for a long time and all of a sudden something happens to you, like you get MS or something, and then your partner, it would seem the partner might feel, why did this also happen to me? And there could be a lot of resentment, so I could see how the re-education process has to include everybody. Yeah, re-education, counseling, you know, and, and even if it's something you've had for a while, you know, my disability, it's nothing new. But my partner and I are currently learning new things as things get worse or different medications I'm on. And I always have that fear inside me somewhere. Well, what if she leaves me because blank, because she didn't want to take a trip to the ER at six in the morning, because she was sick of having to bring me ice packs in bed, because X, Y, and Z. And I think that that's important to recognize that voice inside of us, because it's just as legitimate as... What if my partner wants to leave me because he has a hot new secretary or because he likes to go to the gay bars on the weekend and might find a bear he likes better? You know, th we all have these things, but when it's related to something that you absolutely can't change, it's a disability that you have, it's important to talk about these things with your partner because it can build up resentment in the person with a disability as well if you create this whole fantasy of they're not going to be able to be with me because they can't handle my disability and I and if your partner doesn't know you're thinking that, then how can they react to it? 
Shana, you make such a good point there. You just make such a good point there. How can people visit you? Where can they get in touch with you to find out more about you? Um, they can find me at my website, shannacats.com. That's S-H-A-N-N-A-K-A-T-Z. I'm also on Facebook. Uh, I'm currently changing my Twitter over, but if you find me on Facebook, I'll let you know when my Twitter is updated. And you can also email me at shannacats at gmail.com, and I answer every email I get. That is so wonderful. I really, really want to thank you for coming on the show with me today and helping us explore this incredible and this vast and growing subject. It's, well, thank it's you so for important. having me. If there's any way that I can help you, I have worked with couples with, with one person with a disability, and I'm, I didn't know you then. And now that I do know you and I know where to find you, I and I'm helping other people to find you, um, I, I, if there's anything I can do to help you with the book or the films, I certainly will. You can count on me. Well, actually, I would love, um, while I have a, a second on the air, if you, if anybody has a disability or is a partner of someone with a disability, I'm still taking survey answers. Um, the website for that is just sexualability.wordpress.com. Um, and there are surveys there for partners of people with disabilities as well as people with disabilities. And if you have any trouble reading them, you're welcome to email me, and I can email you Word copies, uh, Word documents. Um, but I'm still looking for more surveys of people with disabilities and their partners who identify as being sexual in some way. Shanna, thank you so much. Thank Thanks you, Thank you for us today. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. I'm Laurie Handlers. This segment of Tantra Cafe is called Little Known Sex Factoids, brought to you by the hormone nurse, Laurie Phillips. You can find her at www.hormonenurse.com. Hi, Laurie. Today I want to know about this crazy thing called andropause. Andropause. A-N-D-R-O-P-A-U-S-E. What the hell is that? You know, Laurie, andropause has been out forever since man was probably made andropause has existed but now we have the verbiage and I told a man that um, there was actually andropause which is uh, menopause in men and he just rolled his eyes scoffed at me and walked away <laughs> okay I can understand that because, <laughs> because no one talks about it and men don't want to know want to think that they have it because it should be just a woman's problem and the <laughs> woman has to deal with it. But it's not true. There really is menopause in men and it is called andropause. Okay, so what are the symptoms of andropause so a man would know if he has it? You would experience some of these or all of these. Some may be worse than you than others. Some may be slightly, you know, easy. You will possibly experience decreased mental sharpness, decreased energy, decreased strength, and muscle mass. You will experience increased body fat, especially around the middle. And you can also experience night sweats and a lower sex drive. Wow. So that, you know, it's funny because um, I don't think women in menopause experience a lower sex drive, but I, I'm i prejudiced. So um, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> so, okay, so men have something called andropause. It's 
really male menopause. It's akin to female menopause, and men should know to look for these signs, and there are things they can do, I, I assert, because you are the hormone nurse, so there are hormones that men can go on, yeah? Yes, there is. Um, the best thing to do, what I would start out with the first step, is to start replacing your thyroid hormones like your DHEA. Start replacing the DHEA. That is the mother hormone of all your hormones. And through taking DHEA, that can help um, the testosterone, and it can also help the uh, decreasing the symptoms. You can also take growth hormones. Now, there's a bunch out on the market. There's pure growth hormone, which is injectable. You need to usually go through a doctor for those. That's what I would recommend if you choose that. Or you can look for, th for some uh, that are sprays under the tongue, sprays up your nose. They're all on the market. I'm trying one right now, so I'm not going to recommend anything until I actually try it. And so I'm trying it out, see how it's going, and then on a later show, I'll tell everybody about it. That's great, Lori. Thank you so much. For more little-known sex factoids, you can go to hormonenurse.com. That's H-O-R-M-O-N-E-N-U-R-S-E.com and find Lori Phillips, the hormone nurse. Thank you. We'll be right back. Have you ever wanted something really different from a plain old Swedish massage? If you want an extraordinary private bodywork session, call Krishna Naidu. Krishna definitely has the touch. He offers yoga fusion therapy, embodiment therapy, individual tantra sessions, and even private yoga classes. I hope this intrigues you. His work is subtle yet tremendously effective, and I know his clients keep coming back for more because I'm one of them. For more information about the sessions and to find a session near you, call Krishna Naidu at 857-891-8090. That's 857-891-8090. Call Krishna Naidu today. Sessions are regularly available in New York, Boston, Washington, D.C., Phoenix, and Scottsdale. I, Laurie Handlers, the host of this show, personally invite you to come with me on a tantric tour of the heart of India on November 21st to December 3rd, 2010. You'll see the Taj Mahal, of course, and visit the fabulous Fadipur Sikri, home of the great Mughal King Akbar. You'll experience the sacred lake in Pushkar, and then you'll tour the pink city of Jaipur. Then, at dawn, from a boat on the Ganges in Varanasi, you'll see exquisite Hindu prayer rituals. Then you'll tour Sarnath, where the Buddha gave his first speech after attaining enlightenment. And finally, you'll get to explore the exotic Kama Sutra temples in Kajiraho. All throughout the tour, you'll learn tantric techniques and principles, and I promise you'll feel a tremendous sense of well-being as we delve into these simple yet potent tantric tools. Please note, no previous experience of Tantra or yoga is necessary to come on this tour with me. I invite you to join me in this unique experience touring the incredible, incredible country of India. I must warn you, this is not your typical tour, and you are not the typical tourist. For more information about this exciting Tantric tour of the heart of India, contact Lori at ButterflyWorkshops.com or write to her at info at butterflyworkshops.com.
Well, we're back from the break, and you're listening to Tantra Cafe. I'm Laurie Handlers, your host. And before, we were talking to Shauna about the most amazing uh, revelations in terms of people having sex with disabilities, like redefining ourselves, uh, redefining the whole way that we do sex, because chances are in our lifetime, uh, the way people are aging and living longer and longer, one or more of us will be involved with someone who isn't able to have sex the way we know it, like a penis entering a vagina. Maybe people are going to have to be not on their knees or in wheelchairs or finding other ways to define it. And Shauna was amazing in letting us know about that. The ne- My next guest today is Jonathan Pilat, who is talking to us about romance. Because in my last show, I had a man's point of view about romance, and I was so enthralled with it that I spoke with Jonathan recently, and he had a whole lot more to say about it. So I invited him on to this part of the show to add to what Bill Plakaitis told us last time about men and romance. So, Jonathan. Hi, Lori. Hi. You are an idea and content incubator, whatever that means. We're going to find out. You're a you're now a filmmaker and media specialist, and you were once a former entertainment attorney based in New York. Jonathan, welcome yes, to the Cafe. Thank you. I think I'll always yeah. be a former entertainment lawyer. <laughs> so when you say you're an idea and content incubator, what in the hell does that mean? Well, what the hell it means, Lori, <laughs> is that um, I'm interested in ideas and people and manifesting and helping others manifest ideas. Okay, so you mean like uh, somebody who's got an idea for a film or somebody who's got an idea for a radio show, for example, like Tantra Cafe. You help them uh, formulate their ideas or um, you help them get focused. You help them stay on purpose. You kick their ass like a coach. It's less like a coach. It's more like, um, you know, the, the head of the chemistry lab. I might come in and say, okay, you have a great name, but your concept is a little off. Let's think about what will work maybe a little more commercially. Let's think about what your intention is with the project. Is it to do an independent project or a studio or network project? Is it something you want to reach masses or something that's niche? Is it um, is it best suited in the medium that you think of? Maybe you think it's a great radio show, and maybe it should be a book first and grow into radio. Maybe it should be a retail concept. You know, the thing is, I think uh, we live in such a stratified world at times in silos. So people are, you know, film producers, TV writers, you know, book editors, and my brain just doesn't necessarily work that way. And so I'm interested. And when there's a good idea and trying to help it find its natural and biggest um, outlet, what it should naturally so, be. So let's talk about this good idea, men and romance, because last Ooh. week was so well received and you responded so well to when I told you about it. So let's yeah. talk about this and we can make it a movie and a TV series and a book and a pilot and all these things. But talk to me about your ideas about men and romance. For example, Bill talked about setting the scene. 
building the temple for the goddess to arrive and then having all these things set like candlelight and the right drink and the right uh, temperature and the right flowers. For example, Bill has this funny thing where he says people send red roses and that's so hallmarkish and it's so cliche. So he would send 11 white roses and one pink. So, you know, what would you do that would be off the chart different if you were setting the scene for a goddess to arrive in your space and and you were being the Jonathan Pellet romance? What would you do? So are we talking about somebody that I might be wanting to connect with physically for the first time? Or does it really not matter? Or is it someone who's already been a physical intimate? What do you think? You know, I think, uh, you know, this is a good question you raised because I think over time people forget to do the, you know, to go the distance for the one that they might be romancing over time. Right. Exactly. So, so, so Bill talked about uh, the first time or, you know, pretty close to the first time. Why don't you talk about over time? That would be so good. Well, I think that, uh, well, I know that I agree with what you're saying, that it's too easy to lose the romance. <clears throat> with, um, And I think that that can go both ways. Um, I've said before in my time, in, in some relationships of mine, that I don't mind being the chick. I just don't want to be the only chick. You know what I mean? No, so, I don't. What would my listeners well, know about that? They, what do you mean you're the chick? Are you bisexual? Well, what I mean is that everybody always thinks that it's the woman who's the romantic and the woman who's evocative of feelings and communication. And I've had a few people this week in a variety of different ways say to me, you are the most communicative man I have ever met. And I think that sometimes people forget the beauty of words and the power of words, and then it works with men as well as women. So <clears throat> I think that women can lose the notion of romance as well as as men can. Um, I think that it goes to a deeper question of, for the most part, do most men really understand what romance is? When somebody do says... Do they? Um, do they? Do they? <laughs> what's that? Do they? Oh, I, I don't think most people do, actually. I, I think most people have lost the art of seduction in a world that's all about instant messaging and instant gratification. So I think that for me, you know, one of my projects is called the Tumler, which is based on a Yiddish word um, that means a lot of different things. But... I will say that the tagline for the Tumblr is old world, old soul, new age. And I'm fascinated by opportunities to bring sort of old world values into the new age. So women so, traditionally love romance, but do most men know, you know, Cyrano de Bergerac, people who know how to write, who, who know how to write. I was just reading Love in the Time of Cholera for the first time, and there's a character in there which I loved. And <clears throat> one of the characters, you know, writes love letters to 
uh, on behalf of other people. People get to know him as someone who writes an incredible love letter. And he found himself in a situation in one scene that I loved in the book where where he's writing it for the guy to this woman. And then the woman comes to him and asks him to write a love letter to this guy. So basically he's the Cyrano in both parties in a relationship and only each one sort of knows it. So my point is that I think romance can start with language and words. I'm big on words. I'm big on language. And I think that seducing someone and really getting them um, in your flow, if you will, of this energy between two people starts with language. It starts with letting that person know, you know, whether it's days before they get there, just subtly kind of just – uh, sensually, uh, teasing wait, and wait. Okay, so let's start. Let's start. Let's start. Like you, I really want this to be practical. So if somebody's listening in, they okay. actually get the idea of what they say. So days before, four days Day before, before, five days before, what would you say? Oh, I'd say get the hell over here. No, um, I would say where are you? Um, I would start with it uh, in a way that felt really provocative, in a way that was that worked for each particular person, meaning I may do something because I'm a provocateur and known to say outrageous things. Somebody else may... Like what? Wait a minute. Like what? What um, would you say? Well, I think that, you know, what they call sexting, but really letting somebody know that you deeply desire them, that you cannot wait for 8 o'clock on Saturday, that you are marinating right now, not just the steak that you're going to eat, but you're, you know, you're marinating your own inner inner self to really get ready. And each day kind of building on that language-wise um, maybe that's a good subject for a book is, is sort of helping people write. But I think that it's really being authentic, meaning you have to know who your, you know, who your audience is. I understand, and, but I, listen, I'm just asking you, you're qualifying now and I'm asking you, so you, so day one of five days out, you would say I'm really marinating the steak and I'm marinating myself on you, which is, it's very tantric because it's, it, it implies that you're that you're circulating your energy and you're marinating within. And then mm-hmm. day two, what would you text or sext on day two? I would say on day two that I'm dreaming about that place on your neck, right, sort of at about 4 o'clock on the back of your neck where I can't wait to inhale you the moment you walk in the door. Hot, very hot. And day three, what would you say then? So, so far we have marinating, we have <laughs> breathing on the neck, breathing in on... Hey, how many days do I have to do this? What are we doing this for? How many days, Lori? <laughs> That's so cute, Jonathan. How many you days do, do I have it. to marinate and wait? Is that what you would say on day three? I think that I would say on day three that I cannot believe that I have to wait two more days before um, 
before I'm in the flow of your life in three in three D. I think we're using words honestly. Um, speaking of language, which I love, and, and you're asking very specific questions, <clears throat> given that we're, we're all made of water and we're mostly liquid, um, and women are just the juiciest beings on the face of the earth, I really like to use words that emanate something having to do with juiciness and marinating and and things that ooze and flow and things like that. Words that, you know, double entendres are fabulous. So <clears throat> I would suggest that people out there who are not as comfortable with language as others, or I, it's not even a comparison, people who don't feel comfortable with writing or with their expression, um, I would start reading romance, um, just picking it up. You don't have to read the whole book, but just start paying attention to words and ad campaigns, things where people are... Um, you know, uh, trying to communicate a sensuality and a sexuality. And, you know, for men in general, I'd say right. that, you know, that less is more, but really be, really be subtle with the women. You don't need to beat them over the head with words, but let them know that you desire them. I just had a radio okay, show wait, today. Stop. Wait, I, wait, wait, wait. That's it. That's good for thought. We need to like wrap up there for a second and we'll be right you back. Can- if okay, then. I can't in, wait. Yes. <laughs> if you just tuned I'm holding in, it right here, Laura. <laughs> if you just tuned in, you're listening to Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. I'm Laurie Handlers, and I'm your host. I'm talking today with Jonathan Collat, and he is talking about romance, men's romance in particular. He just talked about texting, sexting, and when we come back, he's talking about what men who aren't as comfortable with language might do. Please stay tuned. Would you like to try a natural product that would enhance your orgasms? My guest today is Shana Venice, the founder of New Zealand Pure, a company that makes unique products for sexual wellness. Shana, what is it that people can use to enhance their orgasms? Everybody's trying to do that. Absolutely. Well, there are different factors that, uh, you know, come into play why we don't have explosive orgasms. One is, you know, our vaginal secretions aren't flowing like they used to. Perhaps you're a little dry, perhaps you're a little irritated. Well, the great thing about silk, which is made from kiwi vine extract, is that it helps to balance your own pH and increase your vaginal secretions. The result is, explosive, satisfying, wonderful orgasms, and joyful sex. Wow, Shana, thanks so much for that description. Wonderful. If you'd like to find out more about Silk, go to SilkUSA.com. That's S-Y-L-K-U-S-A.com. You can find out more about Silk from me as well. Write to Laurie at Tantra Cafe. Many times on Tantra Cafe, you've heard my guests and me discuss emotional release techniques. Now, you can do emotional release work in the privacy of your own home. In my CD, Shamanic Release and Lati Han, I create a very, very safe and sacred space 
in which you can do the powerful work I'm known for in my Tantra courses. First, I set you up with the proper positioning and breathing, and then I guide you through emotional states to the beat of tribal African rhythms. Try the CD as an easy way to do your personal clearing work on a regular basis and watch your relationships walk free from emotional baggage. You can order my CD at ButterflyWorkshops.com for only $20. I believe you're worth it. I hope you do. Go to ButterflyWorkshops.com and get your copy now. And walk free from emotional baggage. Many times on Tantra Cafe, you've heard my guests and me discuss emotional release techniques. Now, you can do emotional release work in the privacy of your own home. In my CD... Shamanic Release and Latihan, I create a very, very safe and sacred space in which you can do the powerful work I'm known for in my Tantra courses. First, I set you up with the proper positioning and breathing, and then I guide you through emotional states to the beat of tribal African rhythms. Try the CD as an easy way to do your personal clearing work on a regular basis and watch your relationships walk free from emotional baggage. You can order my CD at ButterflyWorkshops.com for only $20. I believe you're worth it. I hope you do. Go to ButterflyWorkshops.com and get your copy now. And walk free from emotional baggage. We're back, and I want to remind you that you can follow me on Facebook or Twitter. That's Laurie Handlers. You can write to me at Laurie at TantraCafe.com. And also, please remember my recommended list at webtalkradio.net for up-to-date listings of books, products, services to enhance your tantric lifestyle. You'll find Tantrika Maya. You'll find The Hormone Nurse. You'll find Deborah Annapol, Polyamory for the 21st Century. You'll find plenty of information about Tonga. Find lingerie. Please go there. Yeah. My guest today, my second guest today for the second segment of my show is Jonathan. Jonathan, I'm saying your name. I don't know, Pillet or Pilot. How do I well, say Pillet? I mean, my 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 father's second wife used to say Pilot, but we prefer Pillet. But it's either one can work. Thank you. So, how do people reach you? Do you have a website that people can reach you on, so men can find out more from you, or people who no, want to? No, I'm sort of building my website now. No. Um, I kind of work in, in more of a underground person to person way in New York, but I'm building kind of the, the practice sort of through media. So it's all unfolding because a lot of the projects that I've been working on over the last few years integrate because I found that <clears throat> while there are some amazing people doing, doing work, um, in the area of supporting men and enlightening men or men and women and communicating between men and women. And those people can include, you know, like David data. And I, I really want to do this through more of a, uh, entertainment area. And I don't mean entertainment, ha ha, but I believe that sometimes too much information straight ahead is not as effective as coming in sort of through the side and, and allowing people to sort of learn through an entertainment medium. So an okay. example of what I mean, because my mantra is entertain and elevate, is the movie that was out last year with The Blind Side. That's just an example of a Hollywood movie that changed people's perceptions about a few things. 
And if you had tried to do a documentary about, you know, the relationship between the Sandra Bullock character in real life and the guy, Michael Orr, um, less people would really, would really, um, pay attention and be enlightened. So I'm big on trying to reach, uh, the most amount of people possible. But they can oh, reach me like at Jonathan Pillot, uh, P-I-L-L-O-T at gmail.com if they'd like. That's great. That's great. Jonathan Pillot at gmail.com. So let's go back to reaching people from the side, from the front, from behind right. with romance. You right. talked about texting and texting a woman who you, who you knew already. And uh, from day three or four out down to day one, et cetera, what would you do in terms of when, you know, when, when right before she got there, uh, how would you set the stage right before a woman got there that you knew already? Can you, is there some particular? Yes, I would love, I would love to do that. Um, I'm huge on candles. What can I tell you? I have been for years and years. I once did a party in a huge loft. And the only light in the, in the entire loft space were about 200 tea lights. Low in the room and the vibe when somebody would get, open the door or get out of the elevator onto this floor was mind blowing because people look at each other's skin in that, uh, in candlelight, but it's, it's 200 candles. So this room is this golden glow. Everybody looks beautiful. It's hard not to feel romantic there. Um, okay, and and I have because we're we're kind of we're coming up to the you know to our end of our time. So I want to ask you candlelight, and then um, cooking for a woman. What can I say? There's nothing like cooking for a woman, guys. If you don't know how to cook, learn to make at least one thing that she might like. Because I don't know any woman who doesn't like to be nurtured and taken care of. And I think that what most men, we live in a society where it's great to embrace, and I'm the first one I know to ever embrace my feminine. It wasn't until I really embraced my masculine that a lots of the pieces came together. And no matter where a woman is in the boardroom, in the, in the workplace, as a mother, all those decisions that they make, and they're most women, these days still tend to make, I mean, that wasn't true in my marriage, but 80% of the, doing 80% of the work and they're taking care of the husband and they're taking care of the kids and they're doing all this. In the end, in the bedroom, that woman still wants to be taken like a man. So if you can combine your yin and your yang, if you can nurture her and then really take her as she would want, as you know, most men are afraid to kind of embrace that part, that still hasn't changed in thousands of years. So wait a second. When you said before you want to take her like a man, you didn't really mean that. You mean you as a man want to take her He's like a man. a man, yeah. She a wants to be wants taken to take by a woman. man. Right. She wants to be taken by a real man, not right. somebody exactly. who's so sensitized by feminism who's had right. his masculinity beaten out of him, beaten the crap out of him, emasculated, Made wrong exactly. for being, yeah, okay, I, I got it. I think so it's So she great. basically wants, she wants to be made, lo I always think that the greatest female lovers want to be made love to, um, to the soul and the eyes and lens of a woman, but they really wanted that whole thing through 
the spirit and sex of a, of, of a man. They really want a man to be a man in the bedroom, no matter how much he may shop and clean and cook and nurture. Once they're in there, it's like, let's go at it. <laughs> That's great advice, Jonathan. That's fantastic. You. you know, uh, you. I was once writing a book called Goddess in the Boardroom and Goddess mm-hmm. in the Bedroom. And it was really right along. I never finished that book, but I might have to pick that book up again because well, maybe that we can is exactly. Out how to do that together. Pardon me? Maybe we can figure out how to incubate that one together. Uh-oh. I think this man is texting, sexting me. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to talk about it in person. <laughs> That's great. All right, Jonathan Pilat, I really want to thank you for being my guest. I want to let people know how to get in touch with you. You can write to him at Jonathan Tillett, P-I-L-L-O-T, at gmail.com. You can find out more about romance from a men's point of view. You can also find out about incubating your idea or your content in terms of media from this Feel man. free to reach out. Absolutely. Feel free to reach out. We can, you know, there's different ways to work with people who have good ideas. I love great ideas. I love not just spotting them, but figuring out who are the right teammates to bring on to manifest those ideas, to take the embers of an idea. My company's called Bellows because it's all about creative combustion. It's about how to heat up the embers so that they turn into a roaring fire. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you so much. And remember, Thank you, Laurie. This, this program was brought to you by Silk, S-Y-L-K, a personal lubricant that enhances your pH from the inside. You can go to butterflyworkshops.com forward slash Silk, S-Y-L-K. Please follow me on Facebook and Twitter, Laurie Handlers, that is. Write to me at laurie at tantracafe.com. Namaste from Tantra Cafe.